0: Well, good morning. We're so glad to have you at Rest in Bible Church as we conclude our first series for this new year, A Rhythm with Rest. I want to take a few minutes and just kind of review where we've been so far. And if you missed any of the previous three weeks, really want to encourage you to go back. Uh, Take those in online. We really do uh, seek to kind of build along the way and you'll see that as we review our first three weeks. Week one, we talked about the foundation of a life with a rhythm with rest. We are created in the image of God and the whole notion of creation and how God created is critical. We are created to be creative, and in that whole process, we were also designed to exist in effective rhythms with, of life that God created, which includes work, creating, producing, and rest. We built on that in our second week. We talked about the implementation of the Sabbath as we kind of continue to pull the thread through the Bible of this notion Of a rhythm with rest. We said that the Sabbath. The need for rest. The command to rest. The command to set aside a day. Really rested on several things that we covered. The first one was that when we do it. We express trust in God's provision. There's always more work to do. But when we say that's enough for now. Basically what we're saying is God I trust you to provide for me. When we take the opportunity to rest. We remember And reflect on what God has done for us. We remember also that we are set apart. Not only is a day set apart. But we are set apart. And when we exist in this rhythm. Everything we do. Because now with a rhythm with rest. We can reflect on what we're doing. We can put it in proper perspective. We can take time to Examine our relationship with God, the first three commandments, and get that in order. And we can take time to reflect on the final six commandments, our relationships with other people, and put all of that in order, in context, in our relationship with God when we exist with a rhythm, with rest. Our third installment last week was talking about how Jesus took all the Old Testament reality, translated it into a New Testament reality, that he has become our rest. We're no longer under the The law of the Sabbath. But when we are in deep meaningful relationship with him. We exist in a rhythm. That involves all of these different things. So that he is our rest. And even when we're working in him. We can be at rest. And we trace this through the teaching of Jesus. Through that transitional book. The book of Acts. And then into some of the New Testament letters. Where we saw the Sabbath being set aside. But the gathering of the body. On the first day of the week. The Lord's Day. And that although we don't need to be respecter of any given day, it's valuable, it's important for us to exist in a rhythm with rest. Now today, our final day in this series, we are going to be talking about creating a rhythm with rest. We're going to talk about three thoughts about that. My greatest concern for all of us after this series is that we're going to go wow, that was amazing, pastor, one of your best series ever, thank you. And then we're going to walk out of here and make zero change in our lives because we don't know how to do it, we can't envision it happening. We acknowledge the need that we all have, but we're not quite sure how to get there. Life is always filled with pendulum swings in our nation's history, in our church history even in our own individual history you know the great depression generation valued hard work and self-sacrifice and the pendulum over the last multiple decades has swung in the other direction and we experience more and more in our day a sense of entitlement desire that we, we think we deserve something for having done nothing and so forth we see in the the body of Christ in the church 46 years ago when I met Jesus Christ, the idea of Sabbath and resting and not doing anything on Sundays was really very much alive in the church. And now we've kind of swung in part because of culture or our pendulums over here now where we're like, you know, I'm not under the law. And what that often translates into, I don't respect the need that I have for rest. Oh, We aren't under the law, but finding a rhythm is still very critical. Dave Robson, a science reporter for the BBC earlier this month, wrote an article entitled Extreme Exhaustion and Burnout, How It Happens and What to Do About It. Several things he said in the article were interesting. He said that one-third of all adults report feelings of fatigue most or all of the time. I think that statistic is actually quite low here in Northern Virginia. Many of us face precarious and competitive work cultures. Whereas generations ago, people stayed with the same company their entire life. My father worked for the exact same company his whole adult life. As a matter of fact, he retired 30 years ago. He's with the Lord now. But my mother still lives off of his pension and the well, the, the, the incredible insurance that that company provides. All these years later, many of us have found ourselves in midlife or later needing to find a new job. In our world, people are far less loyal to their companies and certainly companies are far less loyal to their people and many have faced precarious work situations creating stress. In all of that, the reality is that many of us have overvalued the work as it relates to our identity. The same article, he goes on to say that it features centrally, that is work, in our emotional universe, he says. Translation, our work has become an idol. <laughs> and modern technology has kept us more connected than ever before. And may I just make one comment about the issue of retirement? Many of us will retire The Bible speaks nothing of retirement. If you're going to retire, that's fine. But please don't move into a season of life where you become unproductive because you have retired. I know a couple of different men in my extended family who retired in their mid-50s and then did literally nothing but crossword puzzles for the next 35 or 40 years. Don't let that be you. Retirement isn't a call to do nothing. It's a call to shift your focus to be productive for the Lord differently. Differently. Our verse for today. Is found in Luke chapter 5 verse 16. And it says. But he that is Jesus would withdraw. To desolate places. And pray. I like how the NIV puts it. It says but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. And prayed. The translators of the NIV version. Felt that the word withdrew. Had a measure of regularity to it. That was worth inserting the word often. And I think that that's right. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather today to wrap up this series on a life with a rhythm, with rest. And Father, I think there are few sermon series that call us to respond with a level of acute reality than something like this topic. And it's my hope, it's my prayer that as we wrap up today, as we walk out of this room and into our life, that each and every one of us would make one, two, or three, whatever critical decisions about how it is that we can create a life with a rhythm that includes rest for our good and for your glory. We pray in your name. Amen. One of the books that I have used for my research and uh, just kind of journey along through this series was recommended to me by... Uh, Tony Cho and his wife Sarah, he's our uh, children's pastor, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I do recommend it to you. <clears throat> he says this He says, Every system, every system is perfectly designed to get the ro- results that it gets. If the results you are getting are lousy, anxiety at a simmer, mild depression, high levels of stress, chronic emotional burnout, little to no sense of presence of God and an ability to focus your mind on the things that make for life. Anyone? Anyone? Then the odds are very good that something about the system that is your life is off kilter. And if we went around the room, I would venture to guess that virtually every single one of us can relate to some measure of struggle with anxiety to simmer a little to no sense of the presence of the Lord and inability to focus our mind on the important things and the list could go on because the system that we are currently existing in doesn't work because we were never designed to live that way. Although we do not have this book in our bookstore currently, it is only an Amazon click away from your front door. I do want to encourage you to check out a couple of other books that are in our bookstore right now by David Murray. One is called Reset, Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture. And two is Refresh, Embracing a Grace-Paced Life in a World of Endless Demands. The first one is for the men. The second one is for the ladies. We encourage you to check those out. Today I want to give you three encouragements as we consider some scripture related to what it means for you and for me to walk out of here today and begin to make decisions about how we can create a rhythm with rest. The first one, it means that we should follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. When in doubt, do what Jesus did. When in doubt, do what Jesus did. Now we're going to pull the string on the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at four different Experiences in the life of Jesus, where he kind of removed himself from life to create a rhythm rhythm with rest, and he is not trying to coerce us or control us into doing the same he 's trying to set an example for us and invite us by following his pattern to have, have a rhythm. With rest. The first experience of Jesus is that he would withdraw to prepare. He would withdraw to prepare himself for the next phase of his life. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I guess he was. The reality is when we look at this passage, my whole journey looking at this passage, I thought my, my image is this guy staggering through the Sahara desert about to fall to his death with tattered clothes and unkempt beard and messed up hair, overgrown hair. The reality is, is that Jesus withdrew to a lonely place. This wasn't necessarily the desert. The word can be translated desert. But in reality, it means a solitary, uninhabited place. Jesus withdrew by himself and he didn't go to be by himself, to be drained He went to be by himself to prepare an extended period of time, 40 days with his father. Why? Because he was about to launch the three years of his ministry that was going to set the foundation for the rest of human history. And Jesus took time to prepare. How many of us enter into situations because we are living at a frenetic pace that we have not stopped to take the time to prepare for the next phase, whatever that might be, whatever that might be. Jesus withdrew to prepare. The second element we see in the experience of Jesus and his journey was that Jesus withdrew even in the midst of great need in times of great Need When the needs rise, we are tempted to lean in to not take any kind of rest whatsoever. And the reality is that Jesus modeled for us that even when needs abound, sometimes we need to withdraw to refresh so that then we can re-engage the need with greater clarity, greater vision, greater purpose and so forth. In Luke chapter five, it says, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and he and to be healed of their infirmities and then this is this is kind of hysterical bible humor it says but he withdrew to desolate places to pray the crowds are here their needs hanging out everywhere people need to be healed people need to be encouraged and jesus response is great let's go over here we see another example of this in luke in mark chapter one where it says in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said, great, let's go somewhere else. He said, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came. You understand that Jesus didn't heal everybody that needed to be healed. He didn't respond to the needs of every person that were around him. Sometimes he withdrew. Sometimes he said, my mission to go forward, I need to move to a new place. And sometimes even in the midst of great needs, when we feel the pressure to press forward with a sense of urgency, we need to step away. My family is watching the mini-series entitled Band of Brothers. It's one of those that's difficult for me to recommend because of the gore of wartime issues and some of the language is a little rough. But what we see in this series is this rhythm, even in the midst and urgency of war, where there was time to engage and time to withdraw, time to fight, time to plan, time to rest, time to get back at it. And I believe that that's a metaphor for all of life, including our individual lives. Jesus took time to withdraw to prepare. He took time to withdraw in the midst of great need. And I submit to you that we should follow the example of Jesus Christ. A third example of Jesus withdrawing was that he simply took time to rest with his disciples. Have you ever gotten partway through a day? And the pace is so great, and it's moving on, and the demands keep coming at you, and you find yourself saying, oh my, I forgot to eat. Now, some of you are like, no, that's never happened to me. But it has happened to me, and I know some of you, it's happened to you, that there literally was just no moment where you were going to squeeze in a meal. You know, that actually happened to the disciples. I don't know if you ever noticed this passage out of Mark chapter 6. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. The needs were many. They were healing. They were meeting the needs of people. And they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. As this passage moves forward, what we see is that the people saw them leave. They saw where they were headed. You know, the Sea of Galilee isn't all that big. You can see easily from one side to the other. And the people on land, they ran to where they were going to come ashore. They got there before them and they were still there. And this is the story where Jesus fed the 5,000. Jesus' disciples were hungry. He had called them to come with him and rest. And there he fed the many, including them. And it's a powerful example of the need that they had for rest and how they were even interrupted, even in that moment. And I'm sure they rested after that. The fourth example of Jesus resting, Jesus pulling out. Number one is that Jesus. Withdrew to prepare, he withdrew even in times of great need. We need to do the same. He just rested at times. And fourth, Jesus withdrew to pray for important decisions. Jesus withdrew to pray for important decisions. Luke chapter six. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples, and note, he chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. You know, most of the time when you see Jesus, well, actually all the time when you see Jesus calling someone to himself, those are the men that then end up becoming his apostles, What this passage tells us is that there were more than the 12 who were traveling in this entourage with Jesus around the Galilean region and so forth and so on. And at one point in this group, we don't know how many there were, but there were more than the 12. He gathered all of them together. And from among those people, he picked 12 to walk with him more intensely that he was going to pour himself into who would then take the gospel to the rest of the world. In order to make that decision, Jesus stayed up all night. He stayed up all night praying. I can't explain to you why he needed to do that. You know, the reality that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man and the fancy theological word for that is the hypostatic union of Christ. Didn't the God part of him know everything that he needed to know? So why did the human part of him need to pray all night? I, I can't answer all of that. All I can say is I can tell you what Jesus did. And if Jesus needed to do it, then we need to do it all the more. I don't know about you. Have you ever spent the night up praying? I don't know that I've spent the night praying for something. What I do know of is I've laid awake a lot of nights worrying about something. And maybe if I just got up out of bed and got down on my knees and prayed for something and leave it at the foot of the cross, I might just be able to get back up and go back to sleep instead of worrying about it all night long. Many of us have made many significant decisions in our lives, and some face significant decisions on the road ahead. College is a a very important decision. Where you go, it determines who you meet. Who become your closest friends oftentimes, and maybe even who will become your spouse. That's an important decision. Certainly who to marry is an important decision. That's going to go with you for a good long time, God willing. Where you're going to live and where you're going to work Will shape the trajectory of the rest of your life. And I don't give all of those examples. By way of increasing a sense of burden. We all face these decisions. Generally speaking. The question isn't do we face those decisions. The question is how are we going to face those decisions. And some of us are suffering. From the the choices that we have made that might have been different if we had spent more time preparing for those decisions in our relationship with Jesus. Now again, God can take all things and weave them together. We understand all of that. God can take the poor decisions we've made and redeem them over the course of time. But why put him in in a position to need to redeem more of our poor decisions when we can make better decisions by preparing more effectively on the front end of them? Jesus did some things in his life that created a rhythm with rest for himself and his disciples. And it is incumbent upon all of us, if nothing else today, when we walk out of this room. Then to do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. Number two. Not only do we create a rhythm with rest by following the pattern of Jesus, number two, we create a rhythm with rest by following the rhythms of creation and not culture. Find rhythm. By following the rhythm of creation and not culture. Now, I have to be honest with you. The the Bible doesn't speak an awful lot. Beyond the creation account in Genesis chapter 2. 1 and 2. About this rhythm. This night, day, walking with Jesus and so forth and so on. Why? Because it didn't have to. They didn't have the things that we have today that interrupt that rhythm. They don't have the technologies that we have. That cause us to defy Or live against the natural rhythms that God created us to have. One of our congregation members, Mandy Massey, sent me a whole series of studies and videos and so forth. Articles on the issue of sleep. And I will tell you, there has rarely been in all of my years of preaching... The kind of guttural verbal response that I received a couple of weeks ago when I mentioned by way of illustration that before the time of Thomas Edison and the light bulb, people averaged 11 hours of sleep a night. Like the corporate groan in our congregation was significant because all of you recognize that you don't even come close to that on a regular basis. Now, there are many studies that show the detrimental, detrimental effect Of a lack of sleep. Just staying awake. There was a study done where people tried to force themselves to stay awake. And by day 5 they started hallucinating. And by day 11 they needed to go to the hospital. We cannot live without sleep. But that's just staying awake. That's not the problem for most of us. The problem for most of us is living with compromised sleep. For years at a time. For years at a time. The Bible addresses this in Psalm 127, verse two. It says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Some of us need to take. Our life verse of Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me off of our mirror and put this one on it. Because it more accurately reflects our life. I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Don't put God to the test of, try, of, of asking him to show up. So that you can do all things in, in Christ who strengthens you when you're doing all kinds of things that he's not asking you to do. When he's asking you to live a lifestyle, when you're living a lifestyle that he's not asking you to live. Lord, I need your strength today. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you my strength, but will you please stop living this way? If you lived with the rhythm of creation and not forced with the rhythm of culture, you wouldn't need to pray Philippians 4.13 so much. Because in your natural rhythm of life, you would be more refreshed, more equipped more prepared mentally, spiritually, and physically to face the challenges that you do face. This is where my former pastor would say, I'm going to go now from preaching to meddling. Because I believe one of the greatest challenges that you and I face that needs to happen is that every single one of us needs to put limits on our technology. Every single one of us. We joke about our phones. We joke about all that they cause in our lives. And then we don't change. We don't change. Years ago, we found a little video online uh, by a kid. Uh, he was 10 years old at the time. Call, he calls himself kid president. And he said, this little video said, it's 10 things in appreciation for mom. And he said, number one, put down your phone unless your kid's name phone. (laughs) Number two, don't name your kid phone. (laughs) You know, we live, and you know this, you've heard all the studies, and you've done nothing to change it in your own life, but you understand the constant stimulation and the dopamine that is triggered in your system every time you do something, and that the algorithm brings more of that, which brings more of a desire to go back to it, You know, one time on Instagram, I kind of clicked on uh, something related to tiny houses. Have you ever seen tiny houses? They're really the coolest thing, right? Like how they can kind of pack all these. Oh, I like that one. And then for days I was like, ooh, another tiny house. Ooh, another tiny house. That's really cool. And then I said, stop looking at tiny houses. It's drawing you back in. I want to go look at more tiny houses. And I got the dopamine rush every single time I'm clicking on a tiny house. (laughs) I'm never going to own a tiny house. It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Honey, can you set up an Airbnb at a tiny house, please? I can get rid of all this, you know? (laughs) You know, if there's too much phone around the house, my wife will routinely say, Hey, disconnect to reconnect. Love the ones you're with. And some of you need to look at each other in your family and say, Hey, love the one you're with. Stop communicating to the one that's not here and communicate to me who is here. For some of us, it's the first thing that we look at when we wake up and it's the last thing we look at before we go to sleep. You think that you're decompressing as you look at your phone and you're not because the blue light from your phone is saying, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. I'm not a scientist. It's all online. Read it. It's true. It's a reality. I'm going back to an old-fashioned alarm clock. I've decided, you know what? I'm going to take my phone off of my nightstand. I've decided I'm not going to look at social media or the news before noon. And you know what? By the time noon rolls around, I don't have much time for that anymore anyway. And I care a lot less at noon than I did first thing in the morning. And some of you guys are going, yeah, I don't do Facebook. I don't do Instagram. Ha! Oh, yeah? What about sports feeds? What about news feeds? What about financial apps? Oh, yeah, we're going to hit on everybody here today. (laughs) John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says the noise of the modern world makes us deaf. To the voice of God, drowning out the one input we need most. When my son went away to college, he really stopped communicating with me. I texted him, he wouldn't text me back. I texted him, he wouldn't text me back. But my wife was hearing from him on a regular basis. I said, Why is he communicating with you? He said, Well, because he, does, he doesn't really text much anymore. He's only on Snapchat. Are you on Snapchat? I'm like, No. And so I got on Snapchat, and so lo and behold, now he's communicating with me. I only communicate with four people on Snapchat and you're not going to be one of them. So don't find me there because I won't add you in. Okay, it's not going to happen. But you know what I discovered? One of the things about Snapchat is they have, uh, they want you to keep the thread going, right? And if you miss the time period, suddenly it's telling you that you, you broke your stream with that person. And you can, you can get back, you can get it back. 99 cents, and you can get it back. You know how many millions of dollars they made? 99 cents at a time, provoking you to get the streak back with your friend? Pulling you in, pulling you in, pulling you in. You know, the original call to a Sabbath out of the ex- Exodus 20, which is the 10 commandments, was connected to creation. Exodus 20 verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. However, when the Sabbath was reiterated in Deuteronomy, after the Exodus, settling into the land and the wilderness wanderings, God connected the Sabbath, the command to Sabbath, not to creation, But to the Exodus, watch this in Deuteronomy chapter five, it says you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord, your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord, your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. When you rest, you remind yourself and you declare that you are not a slave to anything. We. Are the freest slaves that have ever existed on the planet. And until you admit that you are a slave. You fill in the blank. Is it your work? Is it your technology? Is it extreme fun that isn't restful? What is it? That the enemy is using to disrupt the rhythm of rest that he has for you so that you are closer to him, you are more like him, you are a better tool for him. And it will not happen until you embrace that you are a slave to something. Because this Culture has drawn you in and you are no longer living with a a creation rhythm, but the cultural rhythm, and it's about to kill you. It's about to kill you. Creating a rhythm of rest means following the pattern of Jesus's life. Be like Jesus. Number two, creating a rhythm with rest means following the rhythm of creation and not the forced rhythm of culture. That is designed to distract you from the living God. Third and finally, creating a rhythm with rest means increasing your margin. Increasing your margin. Again, our verse for today, Luke five sixteen. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And I know that many of you, and hopefully it is for a season, you are struggling with, I, lo- I-, I want more rest. I need a better rhythm. I know that. I just can't figure out what to do. I'm not sure what to eliminate. I'm deeply involved in a work that's about to kill me, my kids' activities that I don't know how to say no to at this point in time, or whatever it might be. And if you can't make immediate decisions, and I suggest to you that most of us can, Don't kid ourselves. At least you need to be on a trajectory. My daughter, Natalie, is a junior in the nursing program at Liberty, and I have never seen a human being work so hard and study so long in any major ever. Ever. And I'm so proud of her. She's hitting it out of the park, but it is taking a village to help get her through college. Right? She's doing all the work, but we're like, okay, you can do it. Okay, you can do it. But dad, but dad, will you guys pray? Yep, we'll pray. Let's get. We'll we'll get you through. We'll get you through. It is a season. It's not going to last forever and it can't. And I know some of you work nights or whatever it might be. I worked nights for eight months in a hospital. It about killed me. Oh, I had a good sleep, work, awake rhythm. It was just all at the wrong time. I had a headache for eight months, solid, straight. In spite of the fact that I was getting good sleep, it was just when everyone else was awake. I knew it was a season. And I needed it to change. If you go through the Gospels, the overwhelming majority of Jesus' interactions with people were unintentional from a human perspective. In other words, Jesus was on his way to do something when he was interrupted by someone else. Jesus had enough margin in his journey that he could manage interruptions. Most of us don't. Most of us don't have enough time to manage interruptions, they're frustrations. The person that's in our way may just be the person that God is calling us because they have a need. But we're either not noticing it or we're not interested because we don't have any margin. Rest happens between production and consumption. But we have no margin between the two. We go from producing to consuming. We go from doing something to stop doing something. But in the stop doing something, we're consuming. We're going on our phones. We're looking at our newsfeed. We're watching a show. We're do- Whatever it is that we're doing, we go from production to consumption. And this is a quote from uh, a very well-known scholar and theologian, Michael Green, one of our worship, our worship leader, our worship pastor. We were sitting in a meeting this past week and we were talking about this idea that When we, between producing, producing, and producing, and consuming, 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 we have no time where we are open for the intervention of God to direct us, show us where he wants us to go, respond to the need. The minute there's a hint of boredom in our life, we reach for that appendage. You know me, I go to Costco every Friday. It's when I'm, Things that I just do. And if you stand in one of those long lines behind people, you know, you got five carts in front of you and every line looks that way, and you just kind of looked around, you know what you would find? You would find every single human being with their face in their phone. Can't handle one second of doing nothing. And oh, um, by the way, you might just have an opportunity to strike up a conversation with someone ahead of you or behind you and enjoy real human interaction. With someone you've never met. And it may just turn into a meaningful conversation. After all. Comer. Says the greatest commodity we have. Is not our time or money. It's our attention. And the greatest threat. To faith today. Is not hedonism. It's distraction. You will find rest. You will not find rest. Rather. Until you find rest in Christ, you will not find rest in Christ until you stop. Pull out from the day and spend time with him. Last quote of the day. The mind is the portal to the soul and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. And the question is, what are you giving your attention to? What fills up the time? What fills the gap in your day? Candy Crush, Newsfeed, Monopoly Go!, Instagram or a little space for Jesus for today. As we close out, it is my hope that each and every one of us will make one or two or three critical decisions today or in the next couple of days as we seek to create a rhythm with rest Our encouragements for today are to, number one, follow the pattern of Jesus. Jesus lived with a rhythm with rest. Even when life was difficult, even when things were crashing in around him, even when the needs were great, he knew what it was to take time to rest. Number two, creating a rhythm with rest means following the rhythm of creation, not culture. When the world is telling you you have more to do, you can't stop. I'm telling you today on the authority of scripture to take time to incorporate a rhythm with rest. And we can do that by increasing our margin. And again, I know that many of you today are struggling with what is it that I can say no to? I don't have the answer to that question. But some of us here today need to have a very, very serious conversation with Jesus. And we're going to do that today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to bow your heads and close your eyes right now as we wrap up our time together. Because again, my hope is that you will do business with God. And that the two of you together and maybe with a spouse or a good friend or whatever it is, you will make some commitments about what you are going to change so that you can live a healthier rhythm that includes rest so that your production for God is more productive. That your journey with Him and becoming like Him is more effective. That your use for Him is more meaningful because you understand what it is to walk with Him, to know Him, to hear His voice in the stillness of those moments when you are taking rest. Go ahead and talk to the Lord for the next few moments. And we'll close in prayer. Father, for some of us here today, there are some very hard choices to make on the road ahead. But Father, I pray that you would empower each and every one of us. Even if it's a small but critical decision about what will be done differently on the road ahead. Maybe some of us need to walk into the office of our supervisor at work tomorrow and say, you know what? I need to take a little bit of a step back. I can't sustain this pace here. Father, perhaps some of us need to consider the really good things in our lives that are overwhelming, that the good things are inhibiting us from doing the best things. Father, for some of us, we recognize that The intensity that we've experienced with one of our kids' sports team is that our our kids aren't even enjoying the sport anymore. But we've become committed in such a way that has outlived its usefulness. Father, for some of us, it's waking up each morning and doing that 15 minutes earlier so we can put our face in the Bible rather than in our phones. For some, maybe it's just a small tweak that will have significant repercussions. The thing I don't want, Lord, and I know that you don't want is for us to continue struggling in a lifestyle that you were never, that you never called us to live. And Father, I pray for anybody here today who is not a follower of Jesus Christ who finds no rest at all. They don't have rest in this life. There's no eternal rest. There's no sense of security. And where this is all is going. And where I'm going to end up. When it's all said and done. And I pray Lord God. That the first place they would come is to Jesus. And find eternal rest in him. They would cry out to him. In, in recognition of the need for a savior. The confession of sin. And embracing him. As their only source of rest. In this life and into the next. Lord, I pray that you would help us to navigate the road ahead. We thank you for what you're going to do. We submit ourselves to you. We thank you for being our our rest in every way. Walk with us, we pray in your great name.